You're listening to Duckstream presented by Gettle. The team at Violent Gentlemen saw what I could do at their weekly skate and decided it was time to make our relationship official. Proud to announce the newest sponsor of the Eat'em Up podcast, Orange County's finest, Violent Gentlemen Hockey Club. Get ready for some hot takes, off-the-wall topics, and candid conversations with current and former players. It's time for Eat'em Up with Emerson Eat'em. Welcome to another episode of Eat 'em Up. I'm joined by Kevin Bieksa, Juice, and uh, we'll we'll get to the the Juice nickname here shortly. But uh, Juice, thanks for joining us. And uh, I mean, how how are things? Things are good. Busy, a lot of travel. Just coming off the uh, All Star Weekend in Toronto, which was amazing. Talk to your boy Frank Fertrano there. I think we kind of smoothed some things over. We had a little bit of a, a turbulent pass from our playing days against each other. Talk Told to me. me that I was talk, talk to me. Hold on. Just one, one, one quick story. The top of the list yeah, story. He told, he told me that uh, I was too old for this league and to let the young kids play. And how did that make you feel? Pumped. I wanted to punch his face in, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I asked him, "Who are you?" And uh, he's proven to me in the last couple of years who he is by having some uh, some great years and scoring a lot of goals. And he had a he had a really good All Star game as well. You know what? And and he's a guy that goes so hard. You know what I mean? Like he moves his feet. He goes so hard. And we were just talking about youth hockey before we uh, hopped on here. And it, 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 we were talking about a player in particular. And it's like. That player doesn't go hard enough. Like he has the skill, but he just doesn't go hard. Like the best players, you 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 look at the McKinnons, you look at uh, just the best players in the world. They go so hard, and Vetrano's a guy who just moves his feet, hounds in, and goes so hard. You know. You know what I'll, I'll say about him is going into the All Star Weekend, knowing he was the representative of the Ducks. I didn't know a whole lot about him other than just like a few personal experiences from playing against them years ago. So I kind of did a little bit of a research background just to kind of get familiar with him. And I was kind of looking at his stats and everything. And I'm like, wow, like this guy puts up goals in every league he's ever played in. And so anyways, I'm kind of looking like, wow, he's had some good years. He's obviously having a great year this year, putting the puck in the net, but some guys are just natural goal scorers. Like he's got that really good shot. He's a lefty. He goes low glove, low blocker. And sure enough, like he gets a chance in the all-star game. And you're talking about like the five, four to six best goalies in the world. And he buries them like he's got a great shot. And some guys, as you know, just have a knack for scoring goals. Like they don't need four five, six chances. They need one good chance. Kind of like you. Are you talking about yourself? Oh, no, unfortunately, (laughs) unfortunately not. I'd be in the Hall of Fame right now if I could score anything. uh, He's he's got that knack for sure. And was he on his best behavior there at uh, All-Star Weekend? Well, like he's like you're the American, the typical American that I've heard that's a little grumpy. And he, he was in a good mood, which was nice. I saw a couple smiles, a couple smirks out of him. So pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. The first thing I came at him with, I go, are you in a good mood right now? Like, what are you talking about? I go, I heard you're that grumpy American. You're that Cam Fowler. You're that Ryan Kessler. You're that <laughs> life's not, you know, never had a good day. And, and he just kind of smirked. And, and so it was, no, it was good. He was doing really well. Good. I'd hope so. You're at all-star weekend. You know, you're, you're at the top of the food chain, um, Toronto. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, let's get to the, the nitty gritty here. Juice. Something I, I just learned, and here come the, oh, this idiot didn't know, you know, Juice went to Bowling Green. I, I had no clue you went to Bowling Green. I, I know so much about your career, your post-career, which we'll get to here in a second, too. Uh, but Bowling Green, like, touch on that. The whole experience, what 
when I think Bowling Green, I think of Rob Blake. You know what I mean? Rob Blake. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did uh, Nelson Emerson go there? Is that how they're so to, they're they're close? Did they meet there? And play Blakey, there? Nelson Emerson, Gary Galley, Dave Ellett. Gary so kind Galley, of known for names? their known for their defensemen over the years. And who are some of your teammates? Any any you know well known players come out of there? I mean, besides yourself, any teammates? Uh, Jordan Sigalette uh, okay. played games yeah. in the NHL goalie, and now yeah. he's the goalie coach for the Calgary Flames. And then him. his brother, younger brother, Jonathan, he had like a short, I think he played a couple games for the Bruins as well. And a lot of time in the AHL in Providence, but he had a really great career over in Europe and Slovakia. So those are kind of like two guys there. But honestly, like uh, growing up, I grew up in Ontario you know, home of the OHL, like a million teams within, you know, an hour drive. So I grew up thinking, you know, probably OHL. I got drafted into the OHL by Don Cherry his first year uh, owning the Mississauga Ice Dogs. I went to camp. I actually made the team as a 16-year-old defenseman. And I don't know why. Well, actually, I do know why. We went to a showcase the year before in the University of Michigan. And we went to a game, Michigan versus Lake Superior State in Yost which for people that don't know is probably the best U.S. college hockey rink in terms of atmosphere and everything. So I go to that game and it's Mike Comrie's first game in college hockey. And if people that don't remember Mike Comrie, he was one of the most dynamic offensive players, like a little bit ahead of his time, right? When it was still kind of like a more defensive tight checking style. And this guy's going end to end rushes. He's got the half tuck like Gretzky. He's doing the wand over the puck and he was electric. And I'm watching this game and the crowd's going nuts and they're all kicking this, the, the, the bench, the floor, which is like aluminum and making all this noise. And I'm like, I want to go to college hockey. That's right so, with that uh, place, the the aluminum yes, floor. The so aluminum they bang, stepping. They, I've never uh, played in it. They bang their feet on the, the, the aluminum there. And like the fans are all college kids. They're all their peers. So they're all like chanting the whole game, almost like a soccer atmosphere. Wow. Like, who's he? Who cares? Like, it just, it was such a cool environment. So I'm, I'm 16 years old. I always had in the back of my head, like, I want to go to college and like, it'd be, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go with hockey. It'd be nice to get a, you know, a paid for education. So my dad and I, we always kind of had that plan. So when I made the Mississauga Ice Dogs in the OHL, uh, actually Brian McGratton, I grew up with him. He's a good friend of mine. He ended up staying. I ended up saying, I'm going to actually go back to tier two junior A and try to get a scholarship. And Bowling Green was the team I chose eventually. That, that that's crazy. Um, so mo- moving on here, Juice, and your your time is uh, so valuable. You got a thousand different things going on. So uh, I'm trying to wrap this things up as quick as possible. 808 career regular season games played between the Vancouver Canucks and the Anaheim Ducks. You, you spent 05 to 06, uh, 2014, 15 with the Vancouver Canucks. 597 games with them. And then uh, 2015, 16, 17, 18 with the Anaheim Ducks, 211 games played. One thing that I always felt fascinating, like when I got traded to New York, just the difference in organization between my time in Anaheim and just a different organization. Like you get to another place, New York, they have the black cars, literally every dropping you off, picking you up, you know, wherever you are. I, I had this charcuterie board when I first got there. It was it was insane. Like between Vancouver and Anaheim, like what were some things I think maybe maybe listeners out there, they'd be interested in knowing the maybe difference between organizations. Like, was there anything as a player on the ice, off the ice that was just difference between the two? 
Oh boy, you really want me to answer this question right now? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think it, I think who's, it's interesting. Who's paying your bills right now? Well, Anaheim Ducks. Well, you, 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 you'll begin uh, <laughs> uh, uh, checking the you'll you'll begin a check in the mail. You'll be unemployed after this answer. <laughs> no, just just kidding. But uh, like I'm kind of hinting at it. So you go from a Canadian team, which is so in the NHL, the markets are all kind of uh, tiered A, B, and C. Uh, based on like endorsement deals, the size of the market, the fan base and all that. Vancouver was considered an A market when I was there, still is. You know, like the New Yorks, the Bostons, the Montreals, the Torontos, all A markets, Chicago. And and Anaheim was considered a C market. Just because of, you know, a newer team getting going. Southern C Juice, that's interesting because I have never even heard that right there. So that's yeah. why that that's why I think it's important that 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 I ask this question. So go on. Like for like a Bauer. So if you were ever trying to negotiate an equipment deal uh, personally, like it would be they're like, OK, you're in Anaheim, you're in C market. OK, we can only offer you this much to wear our equipment. So, so I never had that leverage. I'm not an 808 wow. game guy. Like I never wow. had that leverage. I just like give me whatever you got, dude. I'll be happy with whatever you got. And I hate that number, 808 games. I have no idea why playoff games don't count. And like even preseason games don't count in the NHL because. Yep. Playoff games are twice as hard yeah. as three times as hard as, you know, so oh. like I'm whatever, I'm over 900 and I consider myself a thousand pro games, just like you played more than your numbers suggest. But anyways, going back to the original question. So the market, so when you're in Vancouver, you're treated like you're in an A market as far as like the food, the facilities, uh, the travel, the hotels you stay at, the sports science department, the recovery. We had, we had people that we brought in from Italy that we we billeted and their whole job was to make sure that we we focused on recovery cutting cutting edge ways for us to recover and we just had departments allocated towards our performance our families were taken care of the wives lounge the spouses room full catered meals all the time um you know the kids babysitting service so like our spouses could watch our, our games in the stands and like to some people that might sound luxurious but Really, when you're talking about like a $70 million salary cap per season, this is like bare minimum because you're trying to get the most out of your players. If I know that my wife and my kids are taken care of in the dressing room, you don't think that I can give 100% focus to my my game onto the ice. And I mean, that just funneled over into everything. So uh, when you come to a different organization, yeah, like th there's a lot less uh, at your disposal. And I remember like when I first got to the Ducks and, you know, I I, I, I feel like I'm a good, I think I'm a good teammate. I, I know I'm a good teammate, but there was times where I just kind of go I to Getsy and go, uh, yeah. I go, Getsy, <laughs> go, why do we do this? And he goes, like something that, and he goes, well, that's the way we've always done it. And I go, oh, well, that's not a good answer. I, and then I'd be like, oh, Getsy, why do we do this? Like, we could probably do this, so we should be a little bit better. Uh, well, that's the way we've always done it. So we got that answer a lot in Anaheim. I go, just because you've always done it this way, that there, there could be a better way to do it. So Kess and I quickly developed a reputation for the first year in, in a playful way for kind of, you know, complaining at times a bit. But it was just more or less we were used to a certain standard of how to be treated as an NHL player. And and we performed. We held up our end of the bargain. And it was just a little bit different when I came to Anaheim. See, that, I mean, that was, is a fascinating answer. Like, honestly. So, it just, uh, no, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Vancouver. Dude, you you were there. The riots. I mean, where were you? Okay, so so you guys lose. And I, I, it must still just crush you. I mean, what? I mean, just as far as, I, I remember those 
uh, Burroughs goals. And just, it, it was a devastating loss. You guys were number one in, uh, you know, points that year, right? You were the top team in the league. We were, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, game seven loss? Game seven loss in the Stanley Cup final. It can't get any worse, can it? Game seven loss, the riots. Like, what happened after the game? What Did you guys, like, get together as a group, go to, like, kind of a team dinner, and then that was going on? No, like, it was one of those things where I can remember two times in my career um, after a game breaking down in tears. And that was definitely one of them. And the first time was in college. I think it was my senior year in college after my last playoff game. It was against Michigan State in Mon Arena. And after the game, I came in the lobby and I just saw my dad and broke down into his arms, right? So two times in my whole career. And that game seven, same thing, because you put so much into it and you're so close and there's so many emotions and you're physically and mentally exhausted and your family's exhausted and grinded for, you know, you know, a 10 month season essentially, and you get so close and you lose. So it's, it's devastating. Right. So like after the game, it's kind of like, nobody knows what to do, right. You were prepared for something better and a celebration and everyone kind of just goes their own way. I go up and I get my kids and my wife upstairs. My kids are young at the time. And we start to kind of hear stories about like, we're up in, um, in like the, a lounge upstairs and on the concourse and we start to hear stories about like, Oh, there's like a ride starting downtown and you just hold out here, hold out here. Some of the team security is like, just hold out here for a bit. So my kids now are like sleeping, you know, we're tired. You just want to go home and, you know, cry in your own bed. And my kids are sleeping on, on my chest and uh, we were renting an apartment downtown and in the, the conference finals, the landlords moved back from China and they said, you guys are out. Like, we want to move back now. And I'm like, what? I go, I don't know if you're paying attention right now, but we're kind of in the middle of something. I just lost in game it. seven of the Stanley Cup uh, finals. Like, no, come on. This, this, was this, this was the round before, Emmer. So, like, before oh, the finals. Oh, no way. They, they kicked me out of my apartment. I was in for two years. And we had to move into, like, a furnished living apartment. So, we're essentially living in a hotel, my kids and I, right downtown. And uh, so, we couldn't go. So, they tear gassed that whole street. So, we couldn't get back to to our hotel until like three in the morning. So luckily you probably heard this name before Peter Gurgis was, is a yeah. good friend and he had a hotel and a restaurants and all these places. He had something set up at one of his hotels, just like some food and stuff like that. So we went back there and we honestly just waited. We wait, waited out the riots, waited out the tear gas to dissipate wild, right? Kids are sleeping. There was like maybe like six or seven of us with our families. Like Chris Tanev was there and uh, Cass and Beauty. I, Tanner Glass. Tana, awesome Tana, guy. Tana's a beauty. Yeah. His, his dad was there. His brother, Brandon was there and we're all just, you know, having a couple beers and just waiting it out. And just, it, it was a miserable finish to like a great run that we had. Well, you, so had, that's, uh, you had a great career. Just like you really did. That's, that's a lot of games played. It's just a lot of rugged play, uh, tough on the body, you know, like, I mean, that's just a lot of hockey to be played. So Good on you, and, and congrats on a, on a great career. Uh, Post-playing career, now you got just, once again, a thousand things going on. Uh, you've made a huge impact on, on CBC and Sportsnet. Uh, did you know broadcasting was something that you wanted to do? No, 100% no. I actually don't like media. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't take a sip. You'll spit it out. I don't like media. 
even throughout my career, like I was very playful with the media, Yeah. but, uh, I, I would never consider myself like, I, I would never say, Oh, I really enjoy the media. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I like to give it back a little bit. I like to keep it even keel. Right. Cause you take so much abuse as a player yeah. and your teammates take so much abuse. And I hated the negativity. I hated in Vancouver when we were on a 10 game winning streak and we come back from a road trip and there's articles like, Oh, Steve Bernie hasn't scored in eight games. What? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. We're on a 10, 10 game. Yeah. Right yeah, now. Yeah. You're picking the one guy who's not playing his best and you're going to like, I hated stuff like that. So as you can tell, like I'm, I'm a pretty positive guy when I, on the panel, I've, I've had one and a half kind of negative kind of uh, segments in my, in my five-year tenure. One was recently Nick Cousins and the other one was kind of like a mini Shabbat from Ottawa, which I still thought was super fair. Yeah. Um, so I'm a positive guy. I like to have fun, but when I first kind of retired, um, you know, I went to the Spengler Cup in, in December, January. And then after that, Sportsnet approached me and they said, if you're not if you're not going to sign with an NHL team, will you come work the All-Star game in San Jose? And it was in that January. It was close to California. I mean, close to Anaheim. So it was, it was an easy decision. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of like try it. Like my agent's like, try anything and see if you like it. If you don't like it, move on. So I went there. I did color on the bench interviewed some players and I just, I really liked it. So that was kind of the start. And then Elliot Friedman convinced me to come into the studio in Toronto for Saturday night and, and different field and being at a rink on the bench with the players. Now I'm in a studio, you're watching 10 games at once. You're kind of dissecting them. Um, but again, it was a turbulent time. It was the week after Don Cherry was just kind of, uh, had his episode on air and there was like a lot of tension and, um, I don't know. I came in there and I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the people and I'm still there now. And and what's been your favorite part? Is it the people like the, just the, the camaraderie? I don't think I'd still be doing it if I didn't enjoy doing it, if I didn't enjoy going there. Cause I live, I live close to you here in California and I fly to Toronto every weekend. So to do that, like you have to love it. So I enjoy the people I work with. It's fun. I get to talk hockey like during the week I'm on the ice uh, four days a week in the mornings coaching kids at great park. So I get that part, you know, I get the on ice, the coaching, the being around the game. And then on the weekends for one day for 12 hours, I get to talk NHL hockey, which is awesome. So I kind of check both boxes and, and mentally that allows me to be sane in my retirement. If that makes sense. It's pretty rad, pretty rad. Uh, on air gas. So this season versus the Nashville predators, we were in Nashville juice i said hot fart on air like it was uh, i i I was thinking i was thinking uh hot start and hard fought and it came out yeah fart dude and i then i try to gather myself and i'm like oh my god and it just like it it would never stop in my mind what what's i'm i'm assuming you haven't had anything as egregious as that but like has there been anything you just look back on you're like wow i i said that or no so like the bet for me personally, like uh, when we have like a pregame show, a lot of it is like, I know going in what I'm going to be talking about. There's like preparation for the, you know, the 35 minute pregame show that we do before the the seven o'clock Eastern game before 4 p.m. Pacific for you guys. But then after that, some of these intermissions, we're basically kind of having conversations and winging it. So that's where like I kind of get in trouble when you're you're having a conversation and my good buddy, Elliot Freeman you know, maybe contradict something I'm saying. And then I fire back at him. And like, it's like, you're with your buddies, like spur of the moment, you know, sometimes I use language. So the one time I kind of muttered off under my breath, like F off, like under my breath. And he kind of, <laughs> he kind of, and like, he kind of looked at me and he goes, did you just swear? And I'm like, 
shut up you rat like stop yeah, yeah, like calling yeah, yeah, me yeah, out like yeah, yeah. you know i did under yeah. my breath but yeah. no, nobody heard but he's like trying to make and like the host took over luckily and he's still at the same time looking at me he goes, you just swore like tattling on me right i go no i didn't prove it i didn't do it so yeah like i've had a couple close ones but you can you can say anything once. That's what I'm told. I know, anything I, once. I know, but now I'm just like it's like PTSD, right? It's like what's the next thing gonna be? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? You can't For, think about it though. You you cannot think about it because then you will say it. Okay, I'm gonna stop thinking about it. Clear uh, clear the mechanism. Clear the mechanism. <laughs> I'll try. I'll do my best. Uh, a couple awesome things you you got going on as well. West Coast Academy and Fairmont Hockey. Tell me about it. So West Coast Academy is the the hockey academy that I started six years ago with my partner from Kelowna. So two Canadians that were moved down here. Is he and a beauty? He's a beaut, obviously. Kelowna guy, right? Canadian. Great. He's been a professional skills coach for the last 25 years. He skates NHL guys all summer. In so Kelowna, he's a late guy. A he's like on the boat. Like all, yeah. He's a late guy, but he grinds it and he's on the ice with all the NHL guys that want to skate in the summer. So we we put it together. And at the time, our kids are all playing. He's coaching a team that's Junior Ducks, AAA. Nice. So I come in as an assistant to Junior Ducks and we have a whole bunch of kids. And what our academy is, is we're just going to provide supplemental supplemental training to, you know, kids that play on different club teams. So we had, you know, um, Ice Dogs players. We had mostly Junior Ducks. We had some Junior Kings. So we provide supplemental training because the triple A hockey here in California, there's only three hours of ice a week for practice. You know, these Canadian kids are on the ice six, seven, eight hours a week. So it started that way. We still have two groups that still operate the same way, but one group that was going into high school, we were losing all of our best players to prep schools like the Shattuck St. Mary's, the Mount St. Charles. So we're like, we have to start an academy style team ourselves, or we're going to continue to lose these kids when they get to grade nine. So that's where we partnered up with Fairmont and Fairmont provides the education. We provide the coaching and consulting and video work. And we've been doing that. We've had that group for three years and we look on, you know, we look to recycle a new team every four years and see them through whole point of this Emmer. And I know it's very political everywhere in North America for hockey. The whole point of this is we're trying to help kids move on to the next level. It's not about like owning kids or getting them to our, it's just, if they decide to come to us, we try to make them better hockey players and whatever their goals are, CHL or junior or college, we're just trying to help them get to the next level. Love it. Grow the game here. Love it. Sometimes I have trouble picking what to wear, so I stock the closet exclusively with heavy hitters. My friends at Violent Gentlemen Hockey Club have stacked my closet full in support of the pod, and they'd like to stock yours as well. They've been putting the fan first for over 12 years right here in Orange County. Timeless design paired with enduring quality run by some of the best folks I've ever met. Shop now at VGHC.com. Juice, if you were to pick one team, change in uh, course here, if you were to pick one team right now at this point in the season to win the Stanley Cup, who are you going with? I know it's a a tough question. There's a, there's a, you know, a lot to digest with that one, but like, who who do you got? Like, who do you just really like right now? It's like, okay, I could, I could see them. They have it all by looking at them right now that I, I think they got a great shot. So I'm not, I'm not a big prediction guy. Like I, I usually I'm don't so like bad at this, predi- but, I'm so bad at predictions. Uh, I'm so I like, I like to look at things and analyze it myself, not like what I could have should have. But when you're asking that question in my head, I'm thinking of one team. Like, screw, and I know like, screw of, this guy. 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking like one team right now and they're start, they're sliding a bit, but when you look at their team and like, they've been close the last couple of years, I think the New York Rangers, wow. I think that's a team if they get healthy and Shesterkin's hot and but I like is he going to be hot? Laviolette. That's, that's the big if you know that. If you I mean, qu- qu- quick, he's look- been, quick, he's been so good. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah, so-, so you got two, two good goalies there. You got left friend years having his best season breakout season for him. You know, Kako going down kind of hurts some, but Kreider and Zibanejad, like this is their time. They're like not getting any younger. You look at their, their D with Fox and Truba and Keandre Miller, like that's as good a top three as any team. If they can put it all together, I like them right now. Like, you know, it's a crapshoot in the playoffs. It's an absolute crapshoot. Everybody has a chance to win. It depends who gets hot down the stretch. There's so much parity in the game right now, and it's so cool to watch. But I just think the Rangers, maybe, why not? Why not the Rangers this year? I, I just think at uh, the at the goaltending, once again, Quickie's hot. And that's the only thing. Like, you just have to have, like, if Quickie's going, then fine. Or, you know, if they're both going, whatever. But right now, there's a hole there. You know what I mean? But every, everything else, they're just scary, especially Zabinajad there. Mm-hmm. They're just ugh, on the flank, on the power. It's just it's so fun to watch. But how many teams, Emmer, do you watch throughout the course of a season that are, like, really good the whole season? Like, nobody. Yeah. Right? Like, there's, there's ebbs and flows and there's dips. This is, if you think about it logically, this is a good time for a dip. Like, right after the All-Star, right before the All-Star, right after. And then maybe as you get into March, they really start going. And and that's what I'm I'm kind of seeing that the Rangers are capable of doing, but who knows, right? That's just another educated guess. Not really that educated. It's a bowling green <laughs> guess. Bowling green guess right there. Uh, hey, don't beat yourself up, Juice. You're you're a smart, sophisticated uh, guy. Don't be, don't beat yourself up. Uh, yeah, for me, yeah. a, a team I look at honestly, and I don't know, I I don't want to like say another team and like root and predict for another team other than the Ducks, of course. But you know, the Vancouver Canucks. I just feel like. Look, they're they're second fewest goals allowed per game and they're first in goals. And the fact that they have so they they don't let in that much. They're scoring a lot. But look at their shooting percentage. And when you watch them, like every play is like a set play on the entry. They're all dialed. They're they're all in their routes. They all know where each other are on some of the corner plays, the, the, the pop out plays offensively. They're. They're quick. They they get the puck back. They do it again, and they just they're dialed. You know what I mean. So I look at them as yeah. just being. And for for the Vancouver sake, it's like they they're not expected to win. So I don't think the pressure's all on them. You know what I mean. They got. Uh, they, well, I disagree. Well, but they got Golden. Like, look, every category they're so sharp. You yeah. know what I mean. I, and and all I'm saying, I get it's a Canadian market, but. Like, it, it did anyone think that this was going to be the year? I don't know. Like, you were in Vancouver longer than me. No. Maybe, maybe it, maybe it is like, no, you got to win it now. I don't know. So, like, I, I was in Vancouver at the start of January for two weeks straight, and I heard a lot of Stanley Cup talk. And I actually <laughs> went on air at Hockey Day in Canada, Victoria, and I'm like, pump the brakes, guys! Like, like <laughs> this, this is you weren't even supposed to make the playoffs this year. Like, you're in a good position, but like. As fans and media, just enjoy the ride the wave. You're in Huntington Beach surfing right now. Ride the wave, right? Don't get too far ahead of yourselves. Don't put too much pressure on this team. But you're right. Like that would be the easy to pick when you ask me that question. They just added Lindholm. I talked to him uh, Saturday and, and Friday for a while. 
super excited to be there. He's going to slot in on that power play in the bumper position. So now Pedersen's one timer. If he doesn't like it, that's he just can bump greedy. It to that's greedy. That's like it. They're they're so they're so much better. And and fair. you talk about when you watch them and they and they're all like on the same page and face off plays. And well, what is that? That is a hundred percent coaching. Like as a player, I don't know how many good coaches and bad coaches you had, but I know. Coaching is not the same across the board in the NHL. There are like really good dialed in coaches and then other people, you'd be really surprised how it's just like basically read and react coaching. They'll like watch the game and be like, oh, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do that instead? Why? Well, what do you mean? Like, why don't you give me a structure and then maybe we can. So talk it. I talked to him for a long time. I really like the way he coaches and Adam Foote as well. He's got those D dialed in. He's got Quinn Hughes playing the best hockey of his career and he's got Quinn Hughes making good decisions every shift, like defending. And if he doesn't, he doesn't play as much. And, and Quinn knows that. Quinn knows to play 27 minutes a night. He has to play good every shift. He starts cheating a little bit or getting lazy. The ice time comes back. So it's a great incentive for, for the defenseman. I, I tell you what, but like JT Miller, like I don't know, like in, in the captain was named, but I, I think JT was getting a little bit of a, uh... Like he's a prideful guy. Like I know JT well, and he is a leader through and through. Like honestly, so I, I think those separate. You talk about coaching, but I think it's the 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 players too, just wanting it, like just wanting to, oh, yeah. to dial it in. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. a, there's a certain level of just pride and, and ownership that goes into that. But when you just watch them, they're just they're always on the same page, and it looks like they're having so much fun doing it. You know? Well, they're hungry because they they've lost a lot. Right. They, they made the playoffs one year since 2015. And it was that lockout year where the season was cut short. They might not even have made it that year. So they're hungry. They've been getting beat up in that market for a long time. And JT, like he's an interesting guy. It's funny you say him because uh, I was doing an interview with Quinn Hughes this weekend. And I'm like, uh, JT and I have a love hate relationship. I love him and he hates me. And he kind of laughed. And then like the story behind that is like we I know him a little bit, too. And I don't think he likes some of the things I said about him last year. He had a couple turnovers and then remember like kind of lazy back checks. And I go into the studio and my producer's like, we have to, he's like, I know you like the Canucks, but we have to talk about this. So I went on air and I just said, I can't defend laziness. I can't defend making a mistake and not back checking. I don't think he liked that too much, but uh, this weekend we certainly talked about it, buried the hatchet, laughed about it. And I told him, I go, Hey bud, regardless of what I said, I would take you all, I would take you on my team any day of the week. Like any day of the week, I would take you on my team. Just like Kessler. I go, I would take you guys any day on my team because you guys are warriors. You compete, you love to win, and you're just dialed. That's actually a good comparison. Uh, Kessler and JT Miller, yeah. in a sense, like back-to-back 40 goals for Kess, right? In, in Vancouver, was it back-to-back 40? No, he had one year of 40, and he won the Selkie. I would say, and I would always say, JT is a little bit more offensive than Kess. And Kess was a little bit better defensively, but they have that same bite to their game, right? Kess had a good shot. JT's Miller shot, is he's it's so good. It's so good. The way yeah. he just, he leans over that puck, puts so much weight. It's just, he can snap. And you know what's, what's funny it. about JT? Like, he's so competitive. So while he was doing, he was doing an event, a passing event at the end, during the skills. And while he was doing, me and, and Elias Patterson were doing commentary on it. And Petey was not chirping him, but like kind of like, oh, he's not doing that good or whatever. Somehow he found out about it, like in the moment. And then when they went into the hardest shot, he beat Petey in the hardest shot. He had a 102 point whatever. 
And he beat Petey by a little bit. And after he comes over to me, he goes, I beat him in the hardest shot. He goes, that's worth a million dollars to me. <laughs> he's so competitive. He goes, he's so competitive. Like, I'm like, oh, like, I didn't even realize you you cared about beating him. Like, I thought you'd want to win the whole thing. He goes, I'm so happy I beat that guy. Like, those are the kind of guys and those are the kind of attitudes that you win with. Like, that's sports right there. Yeah. That's a competitive, competitive guy. There, There's so much talent on that team. It's, it's so fun to watch. It's so scary. So, hey, your time's valuable, Juice. I, I know that. One last thing. Edwin Castro, totally random, but it's going to lead into my next, uh, my, my last question, which I think is so important. It's not asked enough or at least brought up enough. So Edwin Castro, he just won the, the lot or well, not just one, um, a few lottos ago, 2.04 billion. Okay. Cause this is what I'm bringing up too, juice. You being on the eat em up show. Uh, like I, I feel like I hit the lotto. I'm not. I'm not just saying that just to say that it might be corny, but I. I it, hey, it 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 rings true. Uh, this Edwin Castro dude, two point zero four billion. He's buying up property like randomly, and uh, I'm looking at it right right now. Uh, Twenty five point five million was one of the pads he 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 purchased, and then forty seven million dollars on the next one. Seventy percent of of lotto winners just lose it all. And, and, and it segues into my, my next, have you seen this guy? No, or, I'm, I'm or, curious you, to see where this, I'm curious to see where we're going with this. So I'm into it. Keep going. Have you, okay. So unfamiliar, no. unfamiliar, the property taxes on those things, yeah. right? You know what I mean? So you never had any amount of money ever. Uh, you, you, you plank down money for prop. Now you get the property taxes. Right. And it's just this is this is what happens. So athletes and I think this is it's such an important question. I think you're so well suited to answer this like. Athletes first and more specifically, entry level contracts as far as signing bonus or entry level contracts for any young player coming up through the ranks through the National Hockey League, like financially, like is there. Is there something that you could look back on and, and maybe do something different early on? Do you have any advice for, you know, guys that, because you don't know, right? You don't know if your career is going to be 808 games like yours was or 173 like mine, right? So, like, what what would your advice be to, and that's why I bring up the lotto. It's just like, I don't know where that's going. I'm anticipating this guy's just going to, you know. Um, end up like a, yeah. a lot of the rest. And, and so same with athletes. It's like 70%, you know, fall on financial hardships after their post-playing days. So like you're, you're a business owner, you're a hard worker, you have so many, you know, great things going for you. Like you figured that out post-career. Some others, you know, can't find that, uh, those niches. Like what would your advice be for like saving, saving well so you don't, you know, you, you, you could at least have a break if you need one, right? Well, I, I'm, I'm actually passionate about this question because I, I feel like there's, there's a proper way to do it. So I took finance. I have a business finance degree from Bowling Green. So when I here went he goes, there, here, here every, we go, Juice bragging about himself. I didn't mean, okay, no, anyway. No, 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 no but everybody, everybody was taking sports management because sports management was the easiest degree path to getting a degree. And I'm like, well, I kind of want something practical. Like I want to learn about business. I want to learn about money just for like my future. So, I mean, like it's, it's like, it's a finance degree. It's not like the end of, it's not like Harvard, you know, 
but it, it gave me like a base, a base of information. So when I first signed a contract in the NHL, the way I looked at it is every contract you sign, pretend that's going to be your last. Pretend you're not going to get another contract. So what can you do? How much of that can you save to set you up for your next job or your next career? So like I signed my first one. And then my big one I signed was a two-year one-way. Two, uh, sorry, yeah, two-year one-way. So it was 500 and 500. So it was a two-year million-dollar contract. So I knew I was getting a million dollars in the next two years. So just average, you're going to get half of that after taxes. So 500 grand US, I was going to live in Canada. So right away, I'm like, okay, how much of that in two years can I save and put towards my house? Because if I retire after two years, if I have a house paid for that I can live in, I don't have a mortgage, then I'm like already ahead of everybody else, in my opinion, right? So that's what I did. I bought a house within my means, something that I could afford. And I chipped away at it, obviously didn't pay it off in, that, in those two years, but I was pretty close. And then after that, boom, another contract. Now I got a three-year deal and I have a certain amount of money coming in. Now I'm like, okay, definitely paying off my house as quick as I can, paying off cars. I'm just, I'm not a big debt guy. And you have so many financial advisors and, uh, you know, wealth management guys. And some of my, my two best friends in California are wealth management guys. And we argue about this all the time. I go, you can't have debt. Like, why would you have debt? Why would you have money in your bank account, but then you also have debt? Like, why would you chip away and pay off your house and your cars and have and live debt free? And then after that, like you can start saving and you can start investing money in the market. They're like, oh, why don't you just take a loan when rates are low and blah, blah, blah. I go, you're playing a dangerous game, right? The market shifts. It goes the other way like it has in the last four years. You're you're in trouble. Now you're getting a double ender, right? So my my advice is live within your means. Uh, find like pay off some property or a house, watch that appreciate and uh, try not to carry as much debt as you can, which is hard as you know, because you get in the NHL, you want the nice clothes, you want the nice cars, you want the same thing that Crosby's rolling around with or Getzlov or Perry or, you know, those guys. But you have to understand, like, you can have some nice things and you can like splurge, you can buy like a nice watch or have some nice clothes, but you should be trying to save as much as you can for post hockey because post hockey and and a lot of my friends and teammates have learned this. It's funny, you get out of the NHL and it is hard to make a dollar. Like people think that you can just make 500 grand like that. And I'm, and I'm talking about some really successful, really good hockey players and they get out of the game and they think they can just pick up a job for half a million dollars. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. And, and it doesn't. And quickly they find out, holy crap, like no. they're getting job offers for $60,000 now, yeah. 60, 70,000, like I can't like they're spending that like every two months. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to make money when you get out of the NHL. So you have to save as much as you can when you're in it. I, and it was such a, such a great response, like such a great answer. But one thing to add on that, like, I think if you maybe put away and you got to pay for training, but I think signing bonuses are like, you know, whatever they're nine. I think they were 90 when I was uh, 90,000. Now they're probably 95, the, the top ones. Um, I feel like if you put mine was 30, mine was 30 grand, 30. Because, I thought it was, I but, thought but it was rich too. You, 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 you were, you were just rolling, right? Rolling through the, the streets of, um, uh, Bowling Green. Winnipeg. There. Hey, rolling, no, I was in Winnipeg, <laughs> Winnipeg eating at, I was eating Subway whenever I wanted. I felt so rich. <laughs> uh, so, so, but if, if you put away, I don't know. And you got to pay for training, right? Like I get it, but that's yeah. like almost 300,000 right off the hop. Right. So if you, okay, half is just say for, for, for the sake of the conversation, 
half of it goes away due to, due to taxes. A lot of places it's not going to be that that high. But you know, yeah. if you put away fifty to a hundred thousand of just the signing, but if you put away a hundred thousand of the the signing bonus in just index funds until you're you know done, I mean that's going to be more than enough to at least set yourself up with a new business or you know whatever, right? Yeah. So. Like, I think that would well, be my advice. I love your advice. I love your long-term just, you know, financial vision. And, you know, but mine just right off the hop would just be, hey, put away a little bit of that signing bonus money. Well, I, I see it's it's a long conversation. There's no right answer yeah. to it, right? But I would say, like, I would almost say an index fund, you're making a couple percent. Like, but then you're paying for rent. Where are you living? You know what I mean? Like I always think about like your house first, like your physiological needs, like shelter, food, like take care of that stuff first. So it, it some guys don't know where they're going to live when they're done playing, but there are a lot of guys from like towns in Canada or the U S that they, they most likely want to live back there when they're done playing. Or, I mean, some guys that, that sign longer term deals and they know they're going to be in a city for five, six years, like buy a house there and, and try to pay that off. And in the long term game, Houses are going to appreciate if you buy and you hold them. If you buy and you hold them for 10, 20 years, like houses and real estate are going to appreciate. Real estates are usually a pretty safe uh, investment. But like you said, it's a long conversation and there's different varying opinions. And some guys found some things work. And uh, but the living within your means. And, and the thing I'll say about Canada is everyone gives Canada a bad rap. Like don't want to go play in Winnipeg. Don't want to go play in Ottawa. You get 35 percent more bang for your buck when you go to Canada. You get everybody in the NHL gets paid in U.S. funds. I wanted to ask you on that. I wanted to ask you. Sorry, that's to cut huge. You, sorry to cut you off, but there was the the time when you were in Vancouver. I'm assuming because I was in juniors, and I think that Canadian dollar was it was worth more. So how did that work out? Were they still? Were you no, losing no. money? Is no. it like a set? That was before me. I'm not that, that, was, that old, Emerson. No, 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 no. Honestly, and and I'll have to fact check myself here. I, I try not to lie on this show. So I used, I'm assuming I, used to, I toss out I, a lot of lies. Up, but, yeah, you're like me. You just make stuff up for the narrative. But I grew up in like Niagara Falls. So when I was younger, we would go over the border to the U.S. to do groceries because the Canadian dollar was worth more. But when I went to college, that flipped. So when I got to the NHL, it, I think it was like a dollar thirty. It was like close to what it is now. It was like a dollar thirty. A U.S. dollar was worth a dollar thirty Canadian. So you get paid in U.S. money, and you know you you convert it or whatever to Canadian because that's where you're living. So I was getting 35 percent more money than all the guys that played in the U.S. right off the bat. And cost of living at the time was a lot cheaper in Canada. Now Vancouver and Toronto are ridiculous. They've they've caught up to the New Yorks and the LAs. But um, being in Canada back then was a really good thing, and it still is for the for the exchange reason. Our argument. Lot of lot of good stuff. Hey, we got a couple questions, and then we're going to wrap it up. And honestly, the game plan was for me to do a, a little uh, post All Star break news. But uh, this has been so juicy here, Juice. This uh, this show so far that uh, we're going to end with these questions. So we got a couple fan messages here for you. Hey, Bexa, uh, don't you love when like I get emails from parents? I'm like, hey, eat them. I'm like. <laughs> just call me <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, anyway well, i was on a i was on a plane yesterday coming back from from we connected in vancouver to coming back from winnipeg to la and this guy walks on he goes biesca <laughs> i go yeah i go close he goes biksa and i go no and i go how about just kevin just call me kevin all right you're not my teammate 
just call me my first hand. It's so unfortunate. So unfortunate. Uh, hey, BXA, you played against Getzlaff for a long time and then became teammates. Did you love or hate that matchup and why? You're a good golfer. Who is your dream foursome on the course? Uh, I love playing against Getzlaff. He is, you know, I'm going to make a case for him, and I'm sure I, I, it's not going to take anything I say, but for him to get into the Hall of Fame, um, he was what I liked about him is that how good he was. I yeah. love the the competition in the matchup, him and Perry. And they had, you know, at times Penner, at times Bobby Ryan, at times Maroon. The they always with, had like a big heavy line, the, right? The thing with Getsy is he was so good north south, like just finishing hits on the four check, his back check game. You know what I mean? Like so, he had the skill. I'll say yeah. this about, like I could talk about Getsy all day long. Um, the thing is, I played with. I played with probably six or seven Hall of Famers up right to this point right now. The Sabines, Luongo, Matt Sundin. Uh, there, there's a few that are a little bit older that have retired. Getzlov is by far the most naturally talented person I've ever played with, ever played with. Um, and like coming back from the summers and I'm not ragging on him, but I don't think he trained quite as hard as I did or Kessler or Cogliano. And he would as soon as he puts on his skates, he's the best guy on the ice. He wouldn't even tape his stick. So people that play hockey realize when you don't tape your stick, there's like no friction and the puck just slides around. Which he wouldn't tape his stick to make it harder on himself. And he would still be the best player on the ice. Juice. It drives me bonkers when I'm working with, you know, some of my clients on ice. Right. And they don't tape their stick. Yeah. I'm like, dude, if you're an, a 50 goal scorer in the show, making 8 million, I'm not saying anything. You know what I yeah. mean? But the puck is slipping off your stick like every pass. It's like, no, you have to it's have ridiculous. You your have to, st- it's Your shot cool. would be so much harder. It'd be yeah. so much harder. Exactly. It's almost like a cool thing. Oh, like, look, I don't have any tape on my, or I have one strand. What's cool about it? You can have a harder shot. Cool is the Sally after a sick goal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like getting it done. So I'm with you on there. I'm glad we agree in that department. Uh, next one. Why the name juice? Was there other nicknames you'd rather have? Did you give any good nicknames <laughs> to teammates? <laughs> Was there any I'd rather have? Yeah. There's tons of other <laughs> nicknames I'd rather have <laughs> the man King. Like, yeah, of course juice. Like you don't pick your nickname most of the time in hockey. A lot of times it goes based on your name. Hockey players add a Y to it or an IE or something like that. Mine was, uh, like I come from Bowling Green and I don't know what your body's like, Emmer, but I would lose a ton of weight in season. And then I'd work hard in the summer and I'd put all my weight back on and my muscle and all that stuff. So when I got to uh, Manitoba after from Bowling Green, I was at the end of a season, I was depleted. I was lean. I was like 185, 190 pounds. And then when I came back to training camp the next year for the lockout, knowing I was trying to make an AHL team, like I was 205, 208. I was like jacked, right? And it was right away. I was like, juice, he's on the juice. Like, how do you put on 15, 20 pounds in the summer? And I'm like, and I just, you just don't say anything, you're a young guy, but I'm like, if I took steroids, like I would be 230, right? Like, <laughs> but, I, but I, I appreciate it. it was a flattering, you know, they meant it to be belittling, but I, it was flattering that people thought I worked out hard enough that I was on steroids. So, you know, not the best story, but that's that's basically what it is. And then you just try not to draw attention to it. Yeah. And so juice, juice, juice. If I was like, I'm not on steroids, it would make it worse, right? So you just kind of like don't say much about it. And then whenever fans would ask, I'd be like, oh, I like pineapple juice. Because obviously you don't want to be associated with 
anabolic steroids. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'd make up some stupid, quite like stupid story, like, oh, I always drink pineapple juice or something. Uh, my body's a, a Bentley, by the way. Just, uh, you, you, oh, you, yeah. you, you, I you, could you tell. Brought it, you, you brought it up. So, uh, who was your favorite teammate? Oh, we we played one. three, I, I played three games. So we were teammates for three games. And then I got sent down to San Diego, and then I was out the rest of the year. I had surgery done on my knee. I was there. We were teammates for three games. That was a fun yeah, – I, I want to say that was a fun – I think I met you guys in Philadelphia. We had a good time. And so, But bottom oh, line, yeah. who, who was your favorite teammate? So you're saying you don't qualify. Right? I don't qualify. I don't – I, I think I would. I, I think I knocked out of the park for those – you know, probably week <laughs> I was there, um, but yeah. I, I didn't meet the the game cutoff. So who who was your favorite teammate? Oh, that's that's such a tough one because you know you have so many buddies that you just over the years. Um, sneakily, like Alex Adler was one of my favorite teammates. He and was I such had a dinner beauty. with him. Oh, he lives in LA now. Did, did, like same thing, came down to California like I did at the end of his career, and family, wife, and kids didn't want to leave. So he's uh Hermosa or Manhattan right now. So Eagles probably one of my favorite. Like you just think about when you go on the road and you go for dinners and then you go for some drinks, like who are you always around? It, I was always at the end of the night, it'd always be me and Eagle. It'd always be the two of us. Um, Fowler was one of my favorite guys and uh, beauty and Anaheim, even though he's a bit poopy pants. <laughs> I, 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 I gravitate. I think I gravitate to the poopy pants guys like Kessler. Like I gravitate cause I love to like get them in a good mood or like Razum or like, chirp them or something so like i sat beside fowler and, and chris wagner on the plane for years and wags was another poopy pants guy all the time wags i just like those beauty kind of guys. too yeah oh. uh, vancouver the cityans like i i still talk to the Great cityans guys. all the time like different different type of personality than me obviously but like that's what i love about them i just love like they're actually like legit good humans like you'd want your daughters to like marry guys like that <laughs> Well, no, but seriously, seriously, no, that, that, that no. well, well put. I, two, two guys, 100%. two guys that I played with, like I only played with these two guys one or two years, Jared Bull and Rafi Torres. Like those are more of my like yeah. personality kind of guys. Not my daughter, but obviously, Yeah. You, you, I wouldn't you're... want my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe Bull or uh, probably both of them because they, they both take care of her. But uh, those, those are guys, Rick Rippin was my late uh, buddy that I grew up with. So yeah, th th there's a list for you. Oh, good stuff. Uh, why did Vernon Fiddler make fun of you during the game? It backfired on him. Ha ha. Because I tried to beat him up for 10 years. Like we came up together in the AHL and we played, then we started in the NHL together. He was always like a fourth line centerman and he was a little weasel. And, you know, I, back then, like when I came up, you fought everybody. Like you didn't get to pick your spot. So if like somebody wanted to fight you, you, you couldn't say no. And this guy would never fight me. And he would chirp me and he would chirp me and he would, then the referees would come in and he kind of go limp. And I wanted to fight this guy for so long just to shut him up. And I asked him to fight that game again. And I, I already knew the answer. So I just, but I give him the token ask, Hey, you want to fight? And then he started mocking, mocking me. And, and that was kind of the rest is history. Actually a beauty though. Like actually a good guy. And I, I heard think he, he is. was, I heard he is. Yeah. Yeah. Actually a, a beauty. Um, so I've coached against him since we retired. Our sons are both 2007. So I've seen him in the ranks and we've talked. Did and, you ask him through, I, through passing? Did you ask oh, him again? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, just so just so we're clear, you don't want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, what was your, this is the last question. What or last message? What was your welcome to the show moment, and how many of those did you give to others? My first shift in the NHL, I started with the West Coast Express, which at the time was the best line in in the world. Brendan Morrison at center, Todd Bertuzzi, the best power forward in the game at the time, Marcus Naslin, just won the Players Voted Pearson Award the year before. I start with them and Matthias Oled, who was a stud. We win the faceoff to Matthias. He's a lefty. He goes D to D to me. We're in Vancouver. I'm a Canadian kid. I'm hyped up. Hockey night in Canada. I just want to get the puck off my stick. <laughs> yeah. So I for, I had time to skate to get the red line and put it in D, but I just got it and I just snapped the puck. Just 30, Brennan, 30 feet of gap. Oh, uh, <laughs> Brendan Morrison. Like, he, Think about the centerman just won the draw. He turns. We go D to D and I am already snapping it to the centerman's tape. Jeremy Roenick just destroys him, right? Like Morrison flips in the air. It's in Vancouver. The crowd goes, ooh. I come up and I like run him, try to fight a defenseman penalty. So eight seconds in, I've given our best centerman a suey and I've taken a penalty. And I'm sitting in the box and I'm like, Jesus. Just like, what just what you this, expected, right? Just what you were visualizing. So I'm like, this is so embarrassing right now. Like, am I going to recover from this? So luckily I did. And then uh, is there something that you did to a rookie or you, you give a, a second part of that message? Have you give a, a welcome to the NHL moment to a rookie or a younger player? Nothing I can really think about. I wasn't uh, I, like rookies on my team. I was never hard on. I was always I liked the rookies because I knew how hard it was. So I always kind of took the, the rookies under my wing if I could. But uh uh, players on the other team. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was a bully on the ice. I always tell my kids that I coach, you can be a bully on the ice. Can't be a bully off the ice. You got to be a, a warrior on the ice and you got to be a gentleman off. But I was a bully on the ice and, and, and coaches used to like praise me for it. They used to tell v, Elaine Vino used to tell me, he goes, I love how you bully uh, Mason Raymond and drills. <laughs> I'm like what? He goes, yeah. Like, Mason's got to fight through it, but it's so good for him that you bully him in the corners and drills. And I'm like, oh man, like he's my teammate. I don't really, I feel bad about that, but he's like, no, no, it's a good thing. So I think I was hard on a lot of the skill guys and a lot of the young guys on the ice. It's kind of crazy. You mentioned Mason Raymond, just a a quick point. It's just like, he was pretty frail, right? I mean, like he was pretty, you know, and, and uh, you know, for him to play at a time that he did and have some great years, that's, you know, I mean, you just mentioned that name and I'm like, Mason Raymond. Wow. Well, when he came into training camp in Vancouver, he came from uh, Minnesota Duluth University, and I don't think he was expected to make the team. And he just blew everybody away with his speed and his skill. Like he he dominated training camp. I think it was in Whistler that year. I just remember like everyone was like, "Who is this guy?" Like he he's a guy that came and he just forced his way out of the team because he was that good. That's 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 unbelievable. And uh, one last thing. Just as far as, you know, where you want the game to go, like, wh- where do you where do you see just, I don't know, yourself in uh, 10 years? And, and where do you want to see the game of hockey progress in 10 years? In 10 years, myself, I probably most likely see myself working for a team or with a team at that point. Uh, I don't think I'm a media lifer. Um, I've always kind of wanted at some point, once my kids are grown out of the house and in college, and I, I don't want to miss this time of my kids' lives, uh, to be honest. So 
I know once they're gone, they're gone. So I'm trying to soak this all in. But once they're gone, I think I'll probably move on and want to get into the competitive part of being on a team trying to win. The way the game is, I love where the game is right now. I really do. I just want to make sure that it's it's maintained. Like we're at a great balance right now of skill and speed and physicality. And at times the physicality is going down and the speed and skills going up. I, I like to see them parallel, like where they are. Guys like Jacob Truba, I'd love to see guys like him still in the game. I love to see Delorier's still in the game. And um, I, I want to keep that balance. I, when people say to grow the game, we have to go all speed and skill. Disagree. Disagree. And there's fans that have been cheering for the NHL and supporting the NHL for 80 years that also disagree. People love watching hockey because there is a physical element to it. And there is there is a danger. There is a risk to playing in the NHL. if it was shinny and there was no contact, it would not be as popular. The part of the thing that's so impressive for McDavid is everybody out there is trying to hit him and everybody out there is trying to hurt him. And he's so good and so fast and so skilled. And he works through all that stuff. And he's that successful in midst of, or in spite of the physical Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky still play. I know he had Marty McSorley and Dave Semenko, but Wayne Gretzky played in a time where guys could hook you, hold you two hand you. And he still got, you know, 2,800 points and almost 900 goals. Like that is impressive to me. If there was no contact, those numbers wouldn't impress me. So I, I just want to keep the balance of, of where the NHL is right now. Understanding it's different than minor hockey and junior and youth. Fighting is still a part of the game. I think you need to have it because I think the stick work and all that gets out of control if there isn't that threat. But I like where we are right now. I just want to maintain that. So many good points, Juice. Can't thank you enough. And, and the thing that you've, you've said so many good things. Uh, but the one thing that, that stands out to me is that gentleman off the ice and just being a bully on the ice. I love that. I love that. And, and I love it because, you know, there's so many maybe youth hockey players that they, they can't leave their niceness at the door before they hop onto the ice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you find that so often, but yeah, you, you just need to find it. You need to channel that bully out on the ice, be a good guy off of it. So, Hey, so maybe, maybe bully is not the right word. Maybe no, I think like, bully, like, I think bully for sure. I think that's a great, but I, you know, like competitive. Maybe, maybe competitive is the, I is like the bully. Word. Uh, bully yeah oh, i like bully bully on the ice i like it Com it's competitive bully competitive bully because you're chirping too you're like getting under the skits like leave it all out there you know like but keep in mind keep in mind for your your listeners i was never suspended or fined one time in my career so there, there's definitely a line to play by like i don't mean go around kneeing guys drilling guys i from hate behind. that so i hate that there's gotta be there's gotta be a respect and an honor to hockey i'm big on that it's not just a bunch of rats running around trying to hurt each other that's not what i'm talking about but there is a toughness and a physicality that you need to have i think to be successful a professional bully a professional bully. yes yes okay professional. Uh, juice uh i can't thank you enough this is this is at the top of my list for for shows here um thanks for tuning in thanks for just joining us juice and uh eat them up we'll we'll see you next time thanks buddy if you love today's content, then I'd love for you to take a trip over to VGHC.com or stop by their Costa Mesa flagship store to see what the club is cooking up for hockey fans worldwide. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.